0: Happy Thursday, Sean Callahan, Steve Sippel, and as they say here in Hawaii, aloha, Mr. Sipple. <laughs> aloha, Sean. And welcome to another edition of Husker Online Headlines. Uh, as you've been following us all week, uh, we are live here on site at the Polynesian Bowl featuring the three future Huskers. Tight end Carter Nelson, quarterback Dylan Riolà and then offensive lineman Preston Talmua. And I got the pronunciation right out here. I, I, I had been saying Talmoa, but it's Talmua. Um, Tal-mo-a. got. Uh, but the three Husker players here all week as they get ready to play in the uh, Polynesian Bowl, which will be Friday on the NFL Network, 8 o'clock Nebraska time, nationally televised game. It's a three-hour window, so the game will get over about 11 o'clock at night um, in Nebraska. But what a week it's been. And before I get into our first headline, Our special coverage here from Honolulu of the Polynesian Bowl, brought to you by our proud sponsors, Tavern 180, a great place in Lincoln to grab steaks, uh, go grab dinner. I'm sure everyone wants to get out of their houses right now in Nebraska and and get out, uh, check out Tavern 180, Tanner Sports Bar and Grill, no better place to go watch all the football action, get some wings, uh, and then HBE CPAs and Consultants, Um, our third presenting sponsor here of our coverage, uh, it is tax season, uh, but they provide much, much more, uh, small business assistance, wealth management. Um, and I've been a client of HPE since 2007, three great sponsors here helping present this coverage from Honolulu. All right, let's get into headline number one, Steve Sibyl. The stage is set here at the Polynesian bowl as we'll get a chance uh, to get really our final look at um a guy like Dylan Riola before he gets to Nebraska and starts classes Monday. And I've been to a lot of all-star games. I'm as intrigued about this one as any uh, for the chance to watch Riola. You've been to a lot of all-star games.
1: About how many, Sean?
0: Over 10. I mean, big ones. I mean, I've been to Army All-American Bowls with Andrew Luck and Tim Tebow and um, Josh Freeman and Blaine Gabbard and Mitch Mustaine. And I mean, I, I can go down a list of quarterbacks I've been able to see. Um, what was that quarterback that went to Notre Dame um, from Oaks Lake Christian? Uh, Jimmy Claussen. I watched him. So I've seen many of the good ones over the last 20 years in games like this. Now, what's interesting is Riola chose to play in this game and not the other ones. Uh, there's the Under Armour game. There's the All-American Bowl, and then now there's the Polynesian Bowl. Um, And there are some players like Carter Nelson that are playing in both games. Brandon Baker, who Nebraska fans are familiar with, has played in both bowl games as well. Um, So it is not the norm necessarily to play in both, but the Polynesian Bowl is two weeks later than the All-American Bowl, which makes it possible for guys to do both games.
1: Yeah, and here's the deal. There's a connection. There's a strong connection. Dominic Rayola. Dylan's father is from Honolulu. This is his hometown. We're in his hometown. The birds are chirping. By the way, and it's very beautiful out here. What, <laughs> what, what hotel we at? The Princess. Sheraton? We're
0: at the, the yeah the Sheraton Princess property here.
1: Yeah. So the connect. So there's a strong connection with the Rayolas and this. It's Honolulu. It's the Polynesian culture. It's very important to them. So it makes complete sense that Dylan Rayola is playing in this game. And listen. He's also the he's a star. He's a star of the show. He he is the star of the show. He's,
0: his it, go ahead. Sean. His presence at the practices, like you just feel it, you know, like he, he just has that it factor. And and you talk to the father of Tua Tonga the Miami Dolphins starting quarterback, former Alabama quarterback, and you know his two boys, um, Galu. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, that's the father. Yes, Galu Tonga um, you know, he had two sons that are arguably some of the best Polynesian quarterbacks ever. Well, the Raiolas are, are have an opportunity to, uh, to put their names up there as well. Yeah, they have an opportunity.
1: It would be great if if the Raiolas turned out like the Tonga right? I got a I this hope I didn't butcher that completely. The he, they have to do it. Still, I mean, come on. Dayton is class of 2020. Yeah, he's
0: never started yet, but he's got the tools. Yeah,
1: he's got the tools. Now, Dylan, again, you said the key thing, Sean. His presence is so big here. It's not only. Well, part of it is just he's a big guy. He's such an he's such an impressive. His his size is so impressive at that position, and his and his arm strength sticks out. And when he thunders up the field, if if everybody's covered, it's pretty impressive to watch. He's a five-star quarterback by three major services for a reason. So, it's yeah, it's been, a, it's been pretty illuminating to watch not only him practice and throw to Carter Nelson and operate with, you know, a, a Tennessee-bound receiver and a Oregon State-bound receiver. I mean, a lot of speed on the edges. But just it, his aura, I mean, he handles this all very well. He understands that as a quarterback and a high-profile quarterback – there's a lot that goes into that. It's not just about handoffs and checkdowns. I mean, it's there's a lot that goes into that picture, and he seems to understand that completely.
0: Well, and Carter Nelson, for him, he's played in this game um, after playing eight-man football, and it's the second All-Star game he's taken part of over January. He said the hardest part is he's had to miss four basketball games,
1: Ainsworth games, uh, for
0: Ainsworth um, to, to play in All-Star games, but he said, "Look, these are once-in-a-lifetime opportunities." i'm going to college to play football and um he's weighing about 220 right now would like to get to 230 240 that's what nebraska would like him at in that range um but you know he, he's by some of the other um uh, recruiting services that have been here they've ranked carter nelson as a top performer in practice carter nelson
1: <clears throat> sean is i just would say this nebraska fans would be very happy impressed, um, hopeful. Um, They would feel a surge of optimism if they came out to the practice where we're we're going here a little bit and where we've been the last two days and saw these guys on the field. We talked about Dylan, but also Carter Nelson is, is, is super impressive physically. I mean, you can see why quarterbacks would like to go to him. He's a long, rangy, fast hybrid. You know, he's got a great catch radius. He's very intent on getting better. You can tell. He's, he's kind of learning. You can see he's learning. I mean, he's, he talked about, you know, not – I, I don't know. He hasn't really – you haven't seen him go into the third level of the defense very much yet. It's a lot of second-level routes. And I would also say about Preston, say his last Tamua. name. Taumua. Again, Nebraska fans would be very impressed by just the, the look – He's a, tennis, a road grader. Yeah, he's a road grader inside offensive lineman, judged to be, you know, widely regarded at, let's put it that way, as the best high school player in Hawaii in his
0: class. He's the only four-star in the state of Hawaii.
1: Yeah, and he's, I could see it. I, I see why. He's all business, too, as you know. He's That kid's all about business. So, yeah, I think Nebraska fans, if they saw these guys in this all-star game, in this setting, you'd... You'd feel pretty good right now.
0: And he uh, he's only been in Nebraska one time. Preston. Uh, Preston Talmua, and that was in June on his official visit. He won't be back again until June when he moves in. And I'm thinking to myself, good call, good call.
1: Yeah? He, why do you say that? Oh, because it's so damn good. I mean, come on, baby.
0: <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I,
1: I get it. Because look at, look at, dude, I, I think people literally think this this is a, is a fake, fake is
0: This is this is our this is our hotel right now right behind us.
1: That's pretty sweet. it's it's a gorgeous day and i every day is the same here
0: weather-wise. We need a couple birds to like make it look real so people don't think it's fake.
1: Yeah, do you i don't know why do they have weather people here? Every day it's 80 and then it gets down to 65 at night and then it's 80 and it gets down to 65 at night. And there's no bugs. It's yeah,
0: no bugs. All right, let's take it to no head, headline Number two, once again, Husker Line Headlines. Headlines. Uh, these special shows brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar & Grill, Tavern 180 in Lincoln, and HBE CPAs and consultants on 56th and Yankee Hill. But uh, they're a statewide operation uh, with locations and services across Nebraska. Uh, but let, let's take it in to headline number two. Nebraska gives Glenn Thomas not only the quarterback's coach title, but he will be the co-offensive coordinator And I I think just getting that in writing, seeing that was very significant um, because, you know, it's been out there for quite some time that he was the guy with his ties to Matt Rule that was the likely person to be the quarterback's coach. But we didn't know what they were going to do with that coordinator title. Now we know he's the co-offensive coordinator. Now, what does that mean for play calling duties and and those types of things? We don't know the answer to that yet, but uh, he will share that title with Marcus Satterfield, I would imagine his salary is going to be in the neighborhood. We don't have those terms yet. In the neighborhood of around of a million dollars. You think so? <clears throat> I mean, he's a coordinator. The yeah. other coordinators at Nebraska make it in the millions. Yeah, you're so right. you're right. What, what do you think there? I don't.
1: I th- I think you're probably right. And it's also an interesting story from the perspective of Marcus Satterfield, who now Sean will coach tight ends. He goes. Marcus Satterfield goes from offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach to offensive coordinator slash tight ends coach. And if you look at – we'll talk about Thomas here in a second. I just know more about Satterfield right now. If you look at Satterfield's resume, hasn't coached tight ends very often. He's always coached on the offensive side of the ball. He's coached wide receivers quite a bit. He he coached the – he was an assistant offensive line coach for Rule with the Carolina Panthers. He's coached quarterbacks in his last two stops, but it hasn't gone particularly well. It,
0: at least at Nebraska, it really went
1: poorly, you would say.
0: So The now, injuries happen, though, but the big thing you go back to is that they ID'd Jeff Sims.
1: Yeah, it went poorly.
0: And and, and that decision, I mean, but it look, it was a year one. They didn't have a lot of time, um, and they lost. I mean, I made the joke to you, simple like I watched Ohio State play with their backup quarterback, their backup receivers, and running backs – and they looked pretty ordinary. Valid point. And I'm like, oh wait, I watch that every week in Lincoln,
1: and it looked pretty ordinary. I don't know if Ohio State. I don't know how many how many times they turned the ball over in that bowl game. That's the question. Because <laughs> Nebraska, Nebraska was a turnover. Well, they lost team.
0: fourteen to three to Missouri, right?
1: Yeah. yeah, I don't know how. Yeah, and they might have turned it over a few times. I don't know. But anyway, Satterfield, it, he's coached He coached tight ends at Baylor in 2018 and 2019. If you look at his resume, that's the only time he's coached him. Not a huge deal. He's always coached on the offensive side of the ball. As far as Thomas goes, what's interesting to me is he has a ton of experience in the NFL and a ton of experience in college. He's he's really gone gone on both sides of it and done well.
0: And this shouldn't come as a surprise, but uh, Dylan Riolà was able to catch up with Glenn Thomas on the phone. The two uh, spoke for the first time here this week.
1: Yeah, mainly just just a kind of a touch base session i i wondered man you don't hear sirens around here they're coming much. for you sip no i didn't do anything wrong
0: i'm you shouldn't have no I didn't dine and I dash at one. denny's last night
1: no they're not i, I don't even know if that, that might have been animal. and we
0: didn't eat at denny's for the record but that, that's just some inside steve Sippel humor. I humor you. yeah
1: i don't know why barbecue last night
0: <laughs> thank you um where was
1: i oh glenn thomas thomas has has that background in the, both the NFL and college? He coached those quarterbacks that that set records for Rule at Temple and Baylor. Um, so, and he, he's just got a he's got a he's got a, that background with Rule, which is integral. That those guys have worked together and they understand each other. Thomas will know exactly what Rule expects. Um, Ruling knows exactly what he's getting. No feeling out process. So that's good. And it's really important. And, and Dylan mentioned this, Dylan Riolà, that it's good to have a, a quarterback's a dedicated quarterbacks coach. And, but, but Dylan did well. And all the other thing is Thomas did recruit Dylan when Thomas was at Arizona state, he was an assistant at Arizona state and actually recruited Dylan. So they already know each other fairly well.
0: Yeah. Another thing, um, note here Josh Martin um, who stepped in as the tight ends coach last year after Bob Wager um, resigned or was let go from his position uh, will move back to an analyst role at Nebraska and you know that's how this all happened so the shuffle on the staff is essentially this all goes back to Bob Wager and Bob Wager being let go for his incident in August Josh Martin stepping in as an interim tight ends coach He'll now step back, which has allowed Glenn Thomas to come in and kind of move the pieces.
1: Yeah, the other thing is people are going to wonder, Sean, what what about Dana Holgerson? Dana Holgerson was in Lincoln on a, on a I would I would call it an extensive visit a couple weekends ago, and we don't we wondered what that if he was going to be a piece of this. Do you still anticipate that he could be a piece of it.
0: It's hard to say. I mean, there, there's definitely some smoke out there about his name and LSU the um, coordinator. A lot of it, OC. yeah, a lot of it is what does Dana Holgerson want to do um, and what is his best path to get back to being a head coach. Because when you're a head coach, and Houston is paying him out $15 million on his buyout, so, um, you know, he, I think there's motivation for Dana Holgerson to want to get back into coaching um, at the right position to get himself back to one of those head coaching jobs.
1: Yeah, it's in his early 50s, He, he probably, yeah, and, and it is – I think for a lot of guys, once they've been a head coach, this is not for everybody, but it's for a lot of guys. I know it's for Bo Pelini. I don't think he wanted to work for anybody. You know, once that once they're the boss, they kind of want to stay a boss.
0: It still amazes me like he didn't work out at West Virginia when he was there. Like it just seemed like Holgers.
1: Yeah, I don't know. He was twenty games over. I think he was sixty-one and forty.
0: Wow. But it was kind of a deal. I mean,
1: I'd have to now hold on fact checkers, which we don't have. I'd, I'd love to have a fact checker right now. I pulled that. I pulled that record out. of. I don't know where.
0: I think that's what he was, though. But it was kind of a Bo Pelini deal there for him where was I think, it, you know, he, are he, you t- sure
1: he just taken, did he get run out of there?
0: Well, I think he left to go to Houston right. before they could, you know, I think the kind of like if Bo Pelini would have left Nebraska to go to Arkansas. It would have been like that same type of feel there Mm -hmm. where he just left just because things kind of went stale or you know it just didn't feel pretty right about no i remember how it played out and uh, he went to houston and got out of there before and and moved on and and that's when they brought one
1: step ahead of the posse is that what you're saying yeah
0: okay but all right let's let's um get into headline number three once again husk on the headlines brought to you by tanner sports bar and grill tavern 180 and hbe cpa and consultants here uh, with locations across Nebraska. Headline number three 17 early enrollees and six transfers will begin classes at Nebraska on Monday. Unofficially, that's the biggest number I've ever seen at Nebraska. It can't, it can't be much bigger than that. I mean, it, it really can't. So, um the number of, and now there's 16 of the 29 scholarship recruits for high school that will be here, then one walk on as well, Isaac Dickey. Um and then all six of the transfers, so um quite a group. And Sean, it,
1: what's it? You know what this is? This is great for spring ball. It just um, adds
0: some juice.
1: Oh my god, does it add? juice? Well, I mean, both
0: both receivers will be there. Yeah, Naor and Banks and Banks, Jamal Banks and Isaiah Naor,
1: and then I would I would say they're the most intriguing to a lot of people. I would say Dowdell. to me to me. Dowdell is the most intrigued.
0: Well, Micah Mazuka is going to have a very good chance to be a starting offensive guard. 100.
1: 100. So they're, oh my God, is it? And then, of, co- of course, we haven't even mentioned Dylan. I mean,
0: Rayola's coming. And in. Kalen, Daniel Kalen. Yeah. I mean, we'll get a live look at like, what if Kalen, I mean, I'm not saying he's beating out Rayola, but like, what if he looks really good too? That's going to be a great story too.
1: Well, I, I know we're all about great stories, but also there's a reality to these discussions that i feel like we often overlook and that is this Kalen needs to be good (laughs) okay it's not just a great story he needs to be good because he's probably i mean well let's put it this way he's a very good chance to be number two which means he's one snap away from being the guy and maybe playing against ohio state so or or a team like that, or USC on the road, right? Are they going on the road? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: November fifteenth, uh, I believe.
1: Yeah. So I, we always do this now. It's kind of become a theme. Kind of become a theme of me and my, of ours is the cute little story thing is not a big deal to me anymore. The, you you got to get dudes in here that are ready to go, Sean. And it's go time. And actually, Dylan said something yesterday that was I, I really felt good about. He said. It's He says it's kind of time for all the noise to stop and get to work now, you know, although it's not quite because we're covering an all-star game. So this is, is
0: kind of it. I mean, and for Dylan, he left Lincoln this week to come to this because the players did report on Sunday. I mean, so yes. every it's not like they're just reporting this week and they're already there. This is like a full week for them to kind of get going um, and move forward.
1: Hey, I got a question for you, Sean
0: sticking with these guys that are coming in, this
1: theme of of these early enrollees are coming in to practice, you know, be ready for spring ball. Is Bly Hill a threat to start? No. Oh, you don't think so?
0: Well, okay. I don't know. I'm going to name off five defensive backs. And and I'm going to ask you if you think he's going to beat any of these guys out. Okay. Tommy Hill. Nope. Marquise Buford. Nope. Isaac Gifford malcolm Hartstog. nope and then i'm trying to oh and and deshaun singleton no so okay what do they play a three three right five right what did i do i named off how many guys you
1: you named five but he's got to be a corner i would think right
0: i was told like this was a long play transfer that they see the potential the upside the development and he could even redshirt this year okay because he played as a true frosh at saint francis in pennsylvania they could play him up to four games, okay. He's a four to play three. I would not today I would I would be really surprised. They have five, I think they have their starting five. I long
1: just, the key what you the, the key of, of what you said is long play transfer. Mazooka is not a long play transfer. banks,
0: banks, nayor.
1: Dowdell Dal-
0: could be a longer play too. I mean, yeah. he has a red shirt as well.
1: Yeah, I don't you know running backs. I look at those running backs this way,
0: Sean. They
1: come in, and they're – now, I know what you're going to say, Quentin Ives isn't this guy, but usually they're, they're ready or they're not. I mean, it doesn't – I don't look at running back – the running back position is a developmental position too much. If you're a running back, you're either got it or you don't.
0: There was like a 15-year run from literally David Horn to the end of the Burkhead Abdullah era where every true freshman other than like two – at running back, did not redshirt. Yeah. There
1: and you
0: go. Co- Collins Okafor redshirt and never played. Right. Lester Ward, right. Um, He redshirt and never played. Yeah. And every other, and you can look this up, every other freshman running back from David Horn that they brought in as a true freshman all the way through played Brandon Jackson, Corey Ross. I mean, I, I mean that's what I'm saying. Corey Ross might have redshirted now that I think have, about now it. Now that you think about but it. But anyway, no, he was your, good.
1: Your point is well taken. And it's exactly what I mean. I mean, it's usually not a position where you throw a guy out there in August and say, okay, he's going to be good down the line but not quite ready. Of course it happens. It's happening with, with Quentin Ives. Um, but I don't – generally speaking, no. And I, and come on, Dowdell's coming to play. He's coming to play. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's one or two.
0: Well, there's something about the running back position, and you can speak to the SIP. Like that, that cut, that one cut move that you make in the backfield mm-hmm. – that might take a bad run and get it two yards. You can't teach that. Right. Like, you either have that cut or you don't. Kind of like that, yeah. And the great ones know how to make, no matter what you know about the offense, you can make that guy miss. Yeah. and, and oh, you, there you go. And you know right away. Like, if, if if running back comes in and he's got that cut move where he makes people miss in the backfield to get a play at least two or three yards that's not there, that's when you know a guy has it.
1: That I think that is one thing, and I also think the other thing, and this is what Nebraska's lacked at that position for a few years now, probably going back to Amir largely, is Nebraska has had a lot of backs that can get you what's blocked. What's blocked. the What you want are backs that can get you what's blocked, and then a lot more, you know, and they can do it often. So that's what we'll
0: see. We'll see if Dowdell has that. I don't know. All right, let's move it on to headline number four. Thanks for joining us here on Husker on Headline Online Headlines from Honolulu. We are at um, the site of the Polynesian Bowl here at the official hotel, the of Sheridan Princess Husker on the Headlines here from the Polynesian Bowl, brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill Tavern One Eighty, and uh, HBE Consultants and Accountants, as they are presenting sponsors. Going into Tanner's, by the way, watch the Polynesian Bowl; they'll have it on there at the location. Uh, great wings and food. Uh, check it out over at Tanner's on 30th and Yankee Hill. of we'll have all the high, uh, NFL playoff games on as well, Saturday and Sunday. But, all right, headline number four, Nebraska basketball has a meltdown, meltdown, Steve Sippel, well, at Rutgers. They blew, they blew multiple 12-point leads, one in the first half, one in the second half. They lose 87-82, and they gave up 25, I believe, offensive rebounds. That's right,
1: and they lost in overtime. Um, 87-82, like you said, in overtime. They gave up 25 offensive rebounds. In the first half, they had a scoring drought of six and a half minutes. In the second half, Nebraska had a scoring drought of nine minutes. A scoring drought, a field goal. We'll call it a field goal drought. They didn't make a field goal for nine minutes.
0: (laughs) I mean. It extended into 11 minutes with overtime.
1: Right. Great. So, I mean, part of what. I kind of have this battle in my head the last few years as a columnist. Because I'm not big on college basketball. I'm just not. And, and one of the reasons is what we're talking about. That's hard to watch. I mean, sometimes when I'm watching college basketball, not just Nebraska, I'm just like, what? This is just, what, what, how's it? This team can't, they can't make a field goal for 11 minutes? That's astounding to me. Now, give Rutgers credit for their defense, but that's two scoring droughts. Nebraska went a period of 17 minutes in this game, grand total, without a field goal. And they they
0: had the lead for 30 minutes and 40 seconds of the 40 minutes. Nebraska did. So they they led the game for 75% of the game with the scoring drought like that. But anyway, it's...
1: What I'm saying is the entertainment value is not there, in my opinion. Now it's just my opinion, and that's that's what we do—is we share our opinions. And people are now maybe people will say, "No, sip, I love watching college basketball," and I would say, "Really? You love watching a team go 11 minutes without a field goal? I mean, come on, Rutgers." And I don't know, Sean, you could come at me with Rutgers plays great defense. Really, they play great defense. They're they were one. What were they in the conference? One and three, nine and seven. They're two and overall. four now. Yeah, one and four. They don't. They must not play that great a defense. So, I and I've been critical of Fred. He's seven and forty-one on the road in Big Ten games. John, he's seven and forty-one on the road. Okay, now go ahead, sip. What about COVID? Sip. Just start giving me all the excuses. Go ahead. I'm, I'm here for him. <laughs> I'm, I'm here. I'm here to hear hear them all. I mean, because I've heard them all and the and people in Fred is a, a tremendous guy. He really is. And he's a and he's a very good offensive coach. So because he's a good guy, I think in this at Nebraska, you get a lot of slack cut for. It. You get a lot of slack. And he gets a lot of slack.
0: I mean, I think God bless him. To win in this league, though, and, and you've said this before, you've got to have pros. I have a couple, a couple them. pros yeah. to separate yeah. at the point guard position yeah, or in the post. And I'll say, like that, that game, I had it on in the lobby as we were working after practice. Um, but just to watch Clifford or, or Mori from Rutgers, yeah, he had a big man. He had 14 points, 15 rebounds, six of them were offensive rebounds. Yeah, that's Rink Mass had four points, eight rebounds. I mean, yeah. Just to see a guy like that assert his dominance over rink mass. I mean, and that's yeah. what happens when you play these teams like Rutgers. They just have these angry <laughs> e- East Coast <laughs> I don't know post what guys that just dominate. I mean, it, it's they're like, tough. I mean, and, and they just look like you, you you broke into their house and stole from them. Or <laughs> I mean, They, they just, they're tough. They're t- they were tough. They're t- were like, just get the rebound. I mean, was, like, God dang. You're
1: right. I mean, it's it's a disappointing loss for Nebraska, as was the Iowa game for different reasons. You know, Nebraska came comes comes into Lincoln on their, its home court, beats number one Purdue, and you think, okay, here we go, this is this is gonna take off. Well, they lose at Iowa, play really bad defense at Iowa, um, get beat bad, and then and then play a Rutgers team where you have a good matchup here. This is a good matchup for Nebraska because Rutgers has a has just a they're really, really challenged offensive. applauding players. type style. Yeah, so i i love I love the matchup. But as you were watching the game, and we were down in by the kind of pool area, you were watching on your phone. And I kept saying to you, Sean, they're gonna win the game. I mean, this is don't worry about it; they'll win the game because I thought they would because the matchup. I'm 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 sort of astounded as we sit here the next day still that they lost this game.
0: And now they have a very tough game on Saturday against Northwestern. Yes, who, Northwestern's good. And. You know, it's Legends Day. It's a it's an afternoon tip, but a lot of steam has come off the fastball. I mean, think if Nebraska would have won at Iowa and won at Rutgers, right. the juice that would oh, be in God. PBA. Yeah. By the way, it's going to be a, a low of negative nineteen on Saturday in well, Lincoln. I
1: thought we were over all
0: that. No, the after the weekend, but it's going to be miserably cold Saturday.
1: Really, that's 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 okay. Now, and, and you're right. Northwestern's good. I've watched them a couple times this year. They're very. They still got Boo Booey, who's twenty nine years old. They're big. They got a. They got, they're really big up front, strong up front. They'll they'll be very tough for Nebraska. I I'm a little concerned about Nebraska because of some of the comments that Josiah Alec made to Robin when Robin was in Iowa about some guys didn't react particularly well when some guys on the team didn't react particularly well when Nebraska got down to Iowa. Um, Josiah Alec used the, used the word unapproachable. So I, I think Fred maybe has his hands full a little bit.
0: Yeah, and well, and Juwan Garys. First. And Danny Nee by the way will be back in Pinnacle Bank Arena being recognized as a part of the Legends weekend and for our younger listeners Danny Nee was the the most successful coach in the modern era of Nebraska basketball. Um took them to multiple NCAA tournaments. They were a 3 seed, right? That's what you always
1: yeah, that's what you always that's have the, to bring up. That's
0: man. the gold standard of Nebraska basketball Danny, early nineties. Danny Knee got and those same group of players are always the ones that Legends weekend's all about. I mean, like those are the guys that will be back, like Bruce Chubbuck and Bo Reed and Strickland and you know, not Tyron Lou, obviously because he's coaching, but that run of players is kind of why there still remains optimism. I mean, that that, that was the yeah. era that keeps you coming back to PBA.
1: I think it does. Um now we don't have any update on Jawan Gary.
0: It doesn't sound good. Okay. No, uh, Fred. No, no Fred, official update. Though. Fred said after the game, no update. They'll have to look at it here today, which is uh, Thursday. So, uh, no update on the status of Jawan okay. Gary. Okay. Okay. Let's um, close it out uh, here. Headline five once again. Huskerland headlines brought to you by uh, Tanner's One uh, Tanner Sports Bar and Grill, Tavern One Eighty, HPE, CPAs and Consultants with locations across Nebraska. It is tax season. Um, go in. Uh, meet with the the professional consultants of HPE. They have all the services you need. Uh, they really specialize in dealing and working with small businesses and S Corps. Uh, that I've used them since 2007. Uh, great people, uh, great business, and uh, they're here to serve you across the state of Nebraska. All right, let's take it in. Headline number five: The rising power of the Riolà family, and we we, we kind of already hit on this, but. You know, just kind of what I mean. They've quickly become as important of a family in in at least right now in Nebraska football as anybody. I mean, you have Dominic Raiola, Donovan Raiola, Dylan Riola, and potentially Dayton Raiola coming up the ranks.
1: Uh-huh. Well, it's it's a high profile position, is what it's about. A lot of a lot of it is about that. That Dylan Riola, It's a it's a it's a different things. Dylan Riola is 6'3", 220. He's a quarterback. He's a five-star quarterback. That is the key. If he were a five-star tight end, it's not as big a deal, right, John? Not as big a deal. He's a tight end. He's a five-star tackle. It's not a defensive tackle. It's big. It's important. But quarterback is, come on, quarterback is the highest profile position in sports. Okay, and it's the most probably the most important position in sports, and Dylan cut such an imposing picture there. So, and then you know, of course, his dad was a legendary vicious center, um, one of the most vicious players I've covered, not in a bad way. He was just a vicious competitor. Probably Dominic would probably kill me for saying this, but I I, I always say he's probably the second best center to play for Nebraska uh, Remington. Would probably I, I would always kind of go lean that way as the best. I you would say Dominic had a better NFL career. Uh, we don't need to debate all that.
0: But yeah, they they're, Dominic had one of the best pro careers of any Nebraska offensive lineman.
1: 14 years with the Lions, all of his career with the Lions, the D- Detroit Lions. I mean, Uyghur had
0: a solid career, but not like Riolas as far as like the consistency that he has as a starter. Dominic was a great player, and and here is the thing.
1: It's interesting here in Hawaii, in Honolulu. We go over to these practices and what you see from Dominic is him keeping a pretty low profile. I know I think he's pretty cognizant of of, you know, their name is big now. His son is gonna he, Sean, is his son gonna be the starting quarterback? I love asking you this question.
0: I mean, what do you think As <laughs> yes. your friend, Bo Pelini would say, what do you think <laughs> right, right. you watch the practices? You watch the games. What do you think? As Bo would say to you, sip, what do you think? I think so.
1: <laughs> I think so. Um, so, but Dominic, I think he'll, I don't think he'll be, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I could be wrong on this, but I think he'll continue to try to kind of stay in the background a little bit, which I think he Which would probably be the right move. We don't know if Dayton Rayola, who's a class of 2026 quarterback, is going to go to Nebraska, but we know this from talking to Dayton. He loves Nebraska. He said, he said when Dylan told him in December that he was thinking about Nebraska again, you know, he had been committed to Georgia for seven months. When he started thinking about Nebraska again, Dayton said to him, God, I've been waiting for you to say this for months when when dylan said i'm thinking about going to visit lincoln so dayton <laughs> dayton wanted him his brother badly to go to nebraska so in dayton's got a scholarship offer dayton the younger brother has a scholarship offer from nebraska
0: and i do uh, there is one other note I, I i don't mean to change gears here but nebraska has added another player to its oh. roster um jordan ochoa out of colorado um has announced um, yeah. he will be joining the program. He's a 2024 defensive lineman from Castle View High School in Castle Rock, California. Was once committed to Wyoming, um, and again, this looks like a modern day roster ad where you know a guy they want to add to the team. Probably not a true scally, um, but with NIL and other uh, ways to do things. Okay, um, Jordan Ochoa will join the Husker football D lineman.
1: Edge ru- oh, is he an edge rusher? Six four two twenty five, 225, yeah. Pro- Sean, Sean, now I want to drill down on something. Modern-day roster ad. Meaning?
0: Well, that he's not probably going to be on that true 85 group, but there's other ways now to supplement your roster.
1: God, that's fascinating.
0: Because this, this wouldn't have happened 10 years ago. Two years ago. <laughs> okay. I mean, when when NIL first started at Nebraska, I mean, it, it, you know, they had they had stuff going, but it was mainly focused on adding the transfer players and other guys. They didn't have, like, the full operation of 1890 and, and the peds behind it where, you know, you can get a guy like Jordan Ochoa in as a walk-on, but then there's NIL opportunities more than likely um, to kind of make this all go. And he had other offers, did not sign, which tells you maybe those offers were no longer committable offers. That's so really th- this is a guy that Nebraska is like, look, we'll add this guy if he's good, he'll help us.
1: That's really interesting. I, what people are going to wonder, Sean, and you're the expert. <laughs> I wish I could call myself an expert on this stuff, but you are. <laughs> what well, is this eighty? Is the notion of the eighty-five scholarship limit? Is it just become kind of a, just sort of a. Is it misleading at this point? Is that, is that a good way to put it?
0: Yeah. I mean, this is where I think the real problem with NIL is because not everybody can do this. There might be 10 to 20 teams in that range that can add more players in this manner yeah. legally. Right. And, and have the means to do it. Absolutely. And you know, there's Wyoming, some, I bet
1: you Wyoming can't do it. No.
0: And and there's some programs like Georgia, Alabama, they don't want to do it like this. They don't have to do it like this, but Nebraska needs to get as many people here that are good football players and then sort it out from there. Yeah, and bigs. I mean, big guys. Mass kicks ass. I mean, that's that, that's
1: that's the deal. That's Bill Bush. That's the Bill Bush mass effect. kicks. Oh, I mean. Ma- He always says it. Mass kicks ass. Sean, you need big dudes. So, I'll, okay, I'll give you an example of a team that couldn't do it. Ohio, I was talking to Tim Albin, their head coach, the other day. Sean, they just started a collective recently. They just, they, Ohio University, just recently started a collective. Yeah, it's a different deal at yeah, that level. But, yeah. We're in a I hope Nebraska fans understand how fortunate Nebraska is to be in the position they're in. As you mentioned, maybe one of 20 schools that could do something
0: like and that. And that might be aggressive. I mean I I don't know if like Kansas State or Kansas or I mean like even programs like that okay couldn't can do uh things like that. But yeah, just to see this all play out um pretty remarkable.
1: Nebraska's got the money, money, money. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is not karaoke hour. Sorry. <laughs> All right, Sean. Well, no uh and we've got a so we're we're planning to go uh live okay. tomorrow okay. and yeah, um, we usually go at 11 local time. We're going to do noon. Um we'll do a noon show. Okay. Uh That way we get our coffee. I I had to make my coffee in the room this morning. Sean without coffee is not a good picture. (laughs) Well, when I have to get up at 5, it's it's a little different. You're like, I get up at 5 every day, but we will uh, have one more show from Honolulu, a live show as we get you ready for the Polynesian Bowl. We'll take your super chat, your questions. um, That will be tomorrow at high noon here on the Husker Online channel. Uh, This has been a lot of fun. (laughs) We (laughs) have... We haven't gone on the beach yet. We haven't gone on the po- no.
1: We haven't. We gotta get to the beach.
0: We've been to practice every day. We go work, um, but it, it's been it's been great to to get down here and see. And uh, today we should hopefully talk more to maybe Marvin Lewis, Marvin Lewis and Mike Zimmer, the two coaches, and get some of their feedback on these Husker players taking part in the game. So uh, for Steve Sippel, our producer back in Nashville, Tennessee, Trey Anity, I'm Sean Callahan, signing off here for another edition of. Husker online headlines.